Hey, it's Dave. Before we get started, I want to let you know I'm releasing this on Tuesday evening as opposed to Tuesday morning. I get a lot of editing done on Mondays, but this most recent Monday, I went to a protest instead. On Super Bowl Sunday, the Israeli government dropped a bunch of bombs on the people of Gaza, specifically in Rafah, the supposed safe zone, where one and a half million Palestinians are after fleeing their homes. And this shit is just untenable. One of the reasons I am able to do this show is that I'm not the target of an active genocide. So I feel like it's important for all of us to be talking about this and not be silent. So call for a ceasefire with your elected officials, go to a protest, meet people, join an organization. You can also donate. And I have linked in the show notes, a Care for Gaza fundraiser. This is an organization that gets direct aid to Gazans, things like cash, food, medicine, clothes. I've also, if that fundraiser is not your thing, linked in the show notes, a thread on Twitter with other organizations doing good work in the region. I just wanted to get that out of the way up front and free Palestine. Here's the episode. I do wish that like, if nobody told me, I would still put out records. Yes. But like the reason I think that I do keep putting out records is because I get something back from it. And maybe it's an ego thing, but it feels more reciprocal almost. Probably a little bit of ego thing too, though. But it's an ego thing that I think is like a healthy ego thing. I Like, not every ego thing is the worst thing in the world. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, I'm with you. Yeah, like the idea of ego death, not, not a thing for me. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we'll talk about that. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. I'm very excited to bring this episode to you this week. My name is Dave Marr. I'm a comedian. I live in Chicago. I was in a coma nine years ago. And now I'm talking to people like my guest, Chaz Primek. Chaz is a member of the band Fubatsushi, the ambient jazz band that I fell in love with from fall 2020 to summer 2021 when they released their four seasons series of albums. I've already interviewed Matt Sage and Patrick Shiroishi. So Chaz makes the third of four Fubatsushi members that I have talked to on this podcast. Chaz actually, because I'd interviewed Matt and Patrick, started listening to the podcast, enjoyed it, reached out, and I was so touched and honored and he also creates music under the name Lake Mary, and I'm a fan of his music. And so it was so nice to talk to each other, have a little mutual admiration society, bond as artists. That is what you will hear in the first few segments of this episode. And we were texting today, actually, as I record this intro, and he said, it's pretty nice to be reciprocal fans, Dave. And that was just... I, I couldn't agree more. That's what I feel like is happening in this episode, the start of a friendship, mutual admiration. And you will hear a lot of Lake Mary music. In fact, exclusively Lake Mary tunes in this episode. He has songs about people and beings who have passed, like his dog, Favorite, his brother, Quinn, and parts of those songs and others are woven through this episode. So I'm trying something ever so slightly different with the music and allowing you to really hear 
the work of the person who I'm talking to. And I hope you enjoy that. And I hope you explore a lot more of Lake Mary's music, of Fubitsushi's music, all that stuff you can find in the show notes. I, I really can't stress enough how much this fucking Fubitsushi band changed my life, man. I've, I've met these people now, most of them. It's only increased my appreciation for their music. This music was a lifeline during the most isolated parts of quarantine and really integral to the creation of this podcast. The point being, I love Chaz's band. I really love Chaz. And I think you'll really enjoy this episode. You will hear us bond as independent artists. And that means when it comes to This Is Your Afterlife, that I don't have ads. I don't have corporate sponsors. I just have you. If you believe in this show, I would love for you to become a patron. You pay me five or $15 a month to keep making the show. You go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr to sign up. When you do, you immediately get access to an extended version of this conversation. And there is plenty more here. And those $15 a month folks are called pigeon patrons. They are G, Barry Fontenot, Shuba Singh, Debo, Fred Fidoa, and Katie Llewellyn. You can join them and have your name read on the podcast if you sign up at that level. And now, please just enjoy this conversation I cherish quite a bit with Chaz Primack. Is, is there like a sacredness to Lake Mary? Yeah, I think so. Like Lake Mary, the the music I put out under Lake Mary is very much like my heart and soul music. Like it's a lot of me processing and working through things. Some of it's just for fun and light to make with friends too. But like, I would say the big bulk of it is, it's like my, like my way to like metabolize big feelings or or like make sense of what's going on in my world at the time. Whereas like bands like Fubutsushi, there's a lot of that too, but it's more like a friend group dynamic and we're all putting, and it's also heartfelt, but it's a different thing. It's not so exactly what's going on in me right now. If that makes Do sense. you have any aspirations for the reception of Lake Mary? Or is it like you've put, the album out and that is the enjoyment you get and there's no pressure it sounds like there's way less pressure on lake mary to be a living some you know you're not trying to get on the tonight show with oh, that would be fucking wild though but <laughs> um but, but like Ugh. i've just been toying with thinking through my own shit, like, like with this podcast, I'm doing like, I've, I've jettisoned most external dreams. I'm doing exactly the thing. I, there are very few things I would rather be doing than talking to you right now. And then later assembling this into a, a, a piece that gets put out on the podcast. But the thing I've discovered is that that internal motivation, like, I still need some validation. for I, Like, I still, there is an amount of reception 
that I would still like. That's not, I don't need to like be the biggest thing in the world, but it's just like the the whole, like doing it, doing what you love, doing it for the love of it, doing for the process, like is exactly what I'm doing. And I am still finding frustration with wanting it just to have a little bit more reception. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. It's as, it's like a funny, just a funny situation that we're in where it's like, I don't think I'm going to stop doing it, but it might yes. change how I do it. If I wasn't, if there wasn't an external validation, if someone didn't come up to me and say like, I really needed that, or I resonated a lot with that, or that meant a lot, I would probably quit and just like played for myself. Right. But that thing has kept me making things and trying new things and and exploring and like doing it the way I have been doing it where or yeah, the validation, the external validation feels great. And and I would love it to be like You know, it would be nice if to like get more opportunities yeah. to do it in yeah. like like more interesting settings or something. But I'm not like striving for that so much. I do reach out a lot, but the validation is like it doesn't mean a lot. Because the thing you of know. like, if it just touches one person, I'll have succeeded. Is like. The spirit of that is true, mm-hmm. but the reality of that is like, well, yes, but that person also has to reach out and let me know that it mattered to them. And I need that maybe once a month or maybe like <laughs> it, it, it needs to be more than one person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate how honest you are about it. I just, I don't know. I'm just like trying to find, I, I've, I've just like really taken certain cliches very, very like rigorously, you, you know, like black and white in some ways, you know? And so it's like yeah. having to like really deprogram myself from like, well, when people said that, they don't just mean, they don't necessarily just mean one person. It's a... It's the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I wish I will. I do wish that like if nobody told me, I would still put out records. Yes. But like the reason I think that I do keep putting out records is because I get something back from it, and something I get something, and maybe it's an ego thing, but it feels more reciprocal almost with. Probably a little bit of ego thing too, though. But but it's an ego like, like it's an ego thing that I think is like a healthy ego thing. I like not every ego thing is the worst thing in the world. You know? Oh, what I mean? I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like the idea of ego death, not not a thing for me. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we'll talk about that. that I really wanted to ask you about Lake Mary stuff as a bridge to the podcast is that I noticed a lot of songs 
dedicated. There's a lot of dedications in those songs. Mm. Like mm-hmm. for, you know, for I wanted to ask you whatever you're willing to talk about favorite and but but even before there's other and I'm like I don't know if these are people, I don't know if these are animals. And when you're talking about processing big feelings, when you're writing a song dedicated to we'll say someone and we'll include just someone as in conscious beings. Mm-hmm. Like when you're writing a song dedicated to someone, do you go into the writing with that in mind? Does it reveal itself in retrospect? Or mm. is there not like a rule to that? <clears throat> you know, see the what's happened most is a song reveals itself to me. Um, like I'll play and I'll write and I'll write and I'll play and I'll write and I'll write. And then sometimes it's months later where I'm like, that's what that's about. Mm-hmm. Or that's what is coming through. But like with Slow Grass, um, the first track, the first like side A of the record was all something I was playing for my dog. While, so favorite is my dog that yeah. you mentioned. Um, and at the end of her life, she couldn't walk. And I would have to clean her, you know, after every time I came home from work. And and I would get off work early and just go take her outside. And we'd just sit there and watch the grass. And there was nothing better I could think of to do. Yeah. You know? um, and, and we did that until I had, we had like a, I don't know. I'm just going to get into it. But like. We had the talk, you know, she was like, yeah, it's time. Like, this is my time. Yeah. This is, is, I've gone too far. And it it wasn't until I kind of like got the courage to be like, okay, I hear you finally. And put you down. And like, I had her put down and she died in my arms. Um, But leading up to that, like how we spent our time together was just watching the grass. Just laying there because she couldn't run, she couldn't walk. Yeah. So I'd take her outside and she gave her a pillow and like a blanket to sit on and or to lay on. And I would just lay with her all day. And and so the and sometimes I'd play guitar and like the side A of that record was the things that I was playing for her. slow and like beautiful to be together and like we were you know i had her for uh around 12 years 13 years Mm -hmm. and like you know i did just about everything except for go on tour with her and some tour she came on and yeah she became like my other half so so I would just play these like slow, everything was slow and like beautiful. And like we were like starting, it felt like we were both starting to reflect. I know I was. And uh, so like that side was informed by like things I was playing actively like with her and kind of like, you know, these like, remember when, remember when we did this, remember when we did that things. And then 
it was afterwards that I added the last movement of that piece, which is kind of more chaotic and mm -hmm. like Patrick Shiroishi does some amazing saxophone. And, yeah. Um, and I'm just like hammering on the slide and uh, that was kind of like the turmoil that came up as I put her down. Mm -hmm. Like I, what happened to me was I went into shock and started shaking and that turned into like a full seizure. And, and it's only happened then. Um, and it lasted for like maybe an hour. Wow. And then were you at home or was this at the vets? This was, um, out on some land and okay. um, the vet was nice enough to come out and do it there. Um, this piece of land in Missouri and it's really nice. There's a river that runs by and like we got to bury her out there and it was like a beautiful place to be for yeah. her. She loved it out there. And, um, yeah. So the vet came out and did it there while she was in my lap. And you, and was observed you while you were in this seizure. Uh, <clears throat> at the very beginning, the vet was like really like bless her heart, the sweetest person in the world, probably. Uh just like was there, saw me start to cry, and just like said some sweet things and then gave gave us space. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah. And so that was Yeah, so I just was out there with my dog. And you just came yeah. to, and you were like, kind of, yeah. And then people in the house, there was people in the house um, behind where we were. They were like, we didn't know what to do. You just started shaking and convulsing, and and then we finally came out and found you. And, were you unconscious? Which, I mean, uh, I had come to when they came out, but you did, but black, did black out for out. a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And when you but, say she told you, like, what was that communication? Like, you had the talk. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot. It was really done. Like, you know that, like, strange special connection that you have with some some people, some creatures that, like, you don't have, you know, you don't need words and like you can have a deep conversation. Mm -hmm. um, it was that there's something about the way she looked at me one day, and we just stared at each other for a long time. And there, there was like some knowing that seemed to happen. And yeah, that and was, that how was long before you were willing to act between them? Um, I set up the appointment like that. Like within that hour. Oh wow! And then, and then the soonest that the person could come, the vet could come, was like a week. Okay, so it's not like yeah. you. I mean, that's really great that you were able to not force her to hold on because you couldn't handle it. Right. I mean, I think, I think I did a little bit past where she was comfortable, you know. Sure. But. But yeah, but when. I finally was like, get a place to hear it. And I did what I could with the time that I had. Yeah. yeah. So then, but mm -hmm. 
but that's not the track that's dedicated, at least entitled well, to favorite. Yeah, not entitled. The the second one, the so long favorite, is um, that's right. So long. I thought it was, but there's there are some four. Yeah. There's another song that's for favorite, like l- earlier in the discography, isn't there? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, there's a yeah. Quinn. There's a Quinn's. Yeah. On Sundogs. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's for favorite. Uh-huh. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it definitely, like, Once It's All on the Ground was written right after. That was. Where Slowgrass, I was writing kind of during, and then So Long Favorite came as a reflection, Mm. but after some time had passed. But then the album, Once It's All on the Ground, was an immediate, like, Mm. processing album, Mm. um, where all of that was recorded. All All my parts I recorded probably in two days. Cause I didn't know what else to do. Right. So I just would hole up and kind of isolate myself and play guitar and lap steel. And, and this thing came out and then I sent it to my friends to like kind of sh- take some of the weight off and, and also in sharing feels really important for all that. Yeah. So I'm not just like holding on to a, a thing so tightly that like, you know, Letting some of the weight out, I guess, or some of the air out of it. Totally. Paint your hell. A custom hell designed for you. Okay. I did I did get to think about this before. Okay, good. And I think my hell would be be the action of constantly trying your best and getting getting people or just everybody you love that you're trying your best for telling you how disappointed they are in you. Yeah. Yeah. At at a specific endeavor? I don't oh, I haven't thought that far, I guess. I was just get I was just thinking about like the thing that makes me feel the worst is when someone I I love tells me how disappointed in me they are. Do you have that? Ha- are 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 people? Are you projecting that, or have people said, "I'm I'm not mad. I'm just really disappointed in you, Chess." <laughs> yeah, it's happened. It's happened enough where I know I'm like that's a thing that I hate. Wow! Like recently? Like, like give me when? When has we- this happened? <laughs> Let's recently. It. Um, when, you know, okay, so I, I hope this person, if they hear this, knows that I love them and that it's all good, but, um, I moved, so I just moved to Salt Lake City and a a friend reached out with a long text about how disappointed they are that I hadn't reached out yet. And I had been here a couple weeks and they have reached out in the past when I've been to visit family and stuff and I haven't had time to see them with texts about them being very disappointed in me. Mm-hmm. This has happened for years. Oh my God. And they're, they're great. This is just a strange trait of them. <laughs> and 
and it drives me mad. <laughs> like, and like in, in the context, they're one of the few people that I have historically told that I would like, because I guess when, when your family lives in a different state and that's the state you grew up in, there comes a point where you kind of like, you realize that you only have so much time on your visit and you got to mm-hmm. start prioritizing like you're like seeing who you're going to see. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll try and like, I'll come and see my family and I'll like sneak in a, f- a friend or two for coffee mm-hmm. and I'll sneak in a hike. Okay. And those are like my things. But then, but then what always is, tends to happen is like I stop posting on social media or like any pretty pictures of being in the mountains or anything just so people, it stayed kind of a low key secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then, then you know, i would always get texts like hey i heard you were in town i'm disappointed in you that you didn't make time and that you know it feels like you're doing you're like trying your best and i've expressed to people too i'm like this gives me a lot of anxiety yeah to try and like because i don't i don't want to prioritize friends or like prioritize people in my life other than like family sweethearts and like the closest friends you know but like yeah, those those messages ruined me for months. Well, there's a missing link in this chain, which is, hey, I heard you're in town. Do you want to hang out? Right. It, then if right. you don't respond, they can be disappointed that you didn't respond. But it sounds mm-hmm. like their initial – and I also recognize – listen, whoever this person is, I respect you too – if Chaz loves you, if this is a if this is not representative of your personality, if it's just a quirk, I understand there are people that we all have those those things. But what it sounds like the the <laughs> process of reaching out it starts with disappointment. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. It is brutal, right? So what do you hope happens when you die? I I'm I thought a little bit about this too because I've been listening. That's okay, and I I, I mean I'm I'm flattered. Um, but the thing that I keep coming to when I think about this question is that what I would really like to happen is that when when I die, that there's a somewhere you go where. I get to like re reunite, be reunited with like my dog, my brother, my grandparents, a lot of friends, and just to have a check in and get to like hang for a couple days and be sweet and then be done, and then just only only come back into some sort of consciousness or something the next time someone close to me dies, and then I get to go greet them, oh. and then we hang out for a couple days and then we're done. Wow. This is a new one. This is like a new thing that that hasn't been explored. Oh. At least you know, in in this context before. <laughs> it is Yeah. So, the you know, my follow-up question here is always like does the idea you know, before we like started officially, we talked about like your your lack of belief in in ego death. And the you know the possibility of having a healthy ego when it comes to like external art validation, 
but you know the the true ego death of like a loss of consciousness is what a permanent loss of consciousness is what like freaks me out and it sounds yeah. like that's you know i guess i guess if you get reprieves back into hanging out with people every couple days or, or for a couple days every once in a while it's not a permanent loss of consciousness but eventually the people you knew will stop showing up so there will be a permanent loss of consciousness and it sounds like that doesn't Mm -hmm. freak you out yeah i guess it doesn't really freak me out that part um but with with like what is it the caveat yeah of having got to greet everybody on the way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like i do want to be conscious for that and i do want i would love to be yeah like able to retain that and show up because like What's better than when you see your friends? That initial greeting, you know? Yeah. Seeing people you love. Nothing's better than that, in my opinion. But then why not just have the whole afterlife be that? Why not just continue that forever? I don't know. I guess in my thought, I'm like... I guess I think... in my thinking is like, it can't be forever. But I guess it could be in my, like, fantasy. No, no, no. But that's okay. I mean, I mean... You know, I, it, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I think part of it too is it does sound nice just to have a break from existing. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 But yeah. a break implies that you're returning. Yeah. And I guess I would turn and do my favorite part, which is greet my friends. Well, these are, bre- th- this sounds, these sound like breaks from non-existence. Yeah, I guess so. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't scare you. It doesn't really scare me. Why Um, not? What's your fucking problem? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think I've been really, I've, you know, I've kind of had this idea like for a long, long, long time. I'm like, it would be so nice to just have a break from existing. Mm -hmm. And but to get to return and like do your favorite things. Yeah. Would be great. But then I don't know, like also in the, in like the, like if your favorite thing is eating popcorn all day long and you just eat a million things up, I don't know why I think I had popcorn last night. This is why it's in my head. Yeah. And you just do that forever. Eventually you'll get sick of eating popcorn. Totally. Totally. You know? And I feel like, I guess that might not change in some sort of like astral plane. But that might also be the case of like, you're like, fuck, another friend? God, you know, give me a break from greeting people. <laughs> like, I don't want to be the greeter at the door anymore. So if I had a break and, I was, and it just was not there, and then something would like signal you to come to or collect all your atoms again and go, go open the door. Yeah. I don't know why I really want to break but it just sounds really nice. Well, the the yeah. you know armchair psychologist would be like, there's some sort of like life life is full enough. You've had enough pain in your life or something that you're like, this is just it just gets a lot or something. <laughs> I mean, I I think that definitely comes into play. Okay, yeah. 
are you when it comes to ego death why why do you i would assume that if you don't mind cessation of consciousness you also would be down with ego death so it's interesting that you're you are resistant to the idea of ego death <laughs> i i feel like uh my thinking is that like ego death it like kind of is a cop out in a way say more <laughs> like you know like we i do think we're all connected and i do think everything is like like i am a tree the tree is me but also i'm different than the tree and i'm different from you and like whatever batch of atoms that makes me up is like a special batch like you're a special batch and i don't like the idea that like like um i think there's more to it like we are individuals but we are also connected and i think the like what i've heard of what i've heard and read about the idea of ego death is that like you dissolve your identity but i love people's identities i love who we are yeah yeah and i love like everybody's individual takes and flavors and styles and how they talk and and i don't want i don't want to become homogenized in some sort of some sort of way that i feel like that might can't i don't know like i work with trees every tree is different and unique and some of them feel stubborn and some of them feel very sweet and light really and some of them, I can, you know, are almost like practical jokers and stuff. And like, there's no, there's like, I don't know. Yeah. Like the, like I look at them, I'm like trees and then you get to know them and like, they all have their own flavor and it's really special. And I don't want that to go away. What is a practical joker tree? <laughs> like, how does that manifest? Like, if if you sleep under a walnut tree, they're guaranteed gonna drop a walnut on your nuts. <laughs> I think that I think that's them being very funny. I, I know my funeral plans. Okay. I've known this for years. Okay. Okay. So have you ever read the book or seen the movie Big Fish? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, okay. So keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Pivot. <clears throat> my friend, my one of my best friends in the world, Jordan Connect, Chicago-based artist. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. Um, but he he told me once that like he used to think – I love telling stories over and over of like, oh yeah, well one time this happened and this, you know, and, and he told me once that he thought all my stories were bullshit until he started seeing pictures of it or meeting the people from the stories. And that did something to my brain where I was like, that's what I want my funeral to be like. Okay. Like at the end of Big Fish, they all thought his dad, like the father character was like a liar and just like a tall tale, like lived in a fantasy world. Yeah. And then when at the end of the movie, they have this funeral 
and slowly all the characters from all his stories start showing up and like validating it. And they're all a little different. I don't need to exaggerate that much about the people, but like, you know, he tells a story about like a giant friend who's mm-hmm. seven feet tall mm-hmm. who he met in this weird town and that was buried in a tree. I don't know. But like then a very tall friend would show up and have met him in a weird town. Right, very, right, right. You know. But I do, I love the idea of all the characters from my life showing up. And it, and maybe this is kind of ego-driven, but I, I love the idea of it being like, doesn't have to be about me so much, in, but like story time. So what are and, your fabulous stories that are so unbelievable? <laughs> there, there's just like goofy ones, like, like... Oh, I don't know. There's a story I always tell about like taking shots with Polly Shore or Okay, okay. <laughs> or like Um I don't know, there's a lot of like goofy celebrity stuff cuz I used to busk up at the Sundance Film Festival. Mm. And so you you meet a lot of people and a lot of like goofy interactions happen. Yeah. And and it's fun to tell those stories when people are telling like celebrity sighting stories. Totally. Um but then I, there's like other magical stories that I wish the people involved or like the beings involved could show up or like, and we don't have to get too deep into it, but like I was on, me and a friend were riding our bikes from Seattle to San Diego and on that way we'd meet just like the wildest characters and like, like there's people who I'm like certain I watched turned into a coyote. There's there's like weird little magic things. There's like families that like took us to their family reunions and just like wild stuff. A where... person you thought turned into a coyote, <laughs> you watched turned into a coyote? Okay. Well, okay, I'll tell you that story. Yeah. It's quick. Where, so we were in Big Sur. We, you know, we're riding our bikes and it's us and, and our friend named Kazoo who goes by Kazoo. Um, we're at the Big Sur Library, or the Henry Miller Library. Okay. And we're asking, like, is there a cool place for us to camp nearby? And they're like, oh, they give us directions. Like, bike down, you'll see. I can't remember this, the the markers, but they're like, you'll go down this hill, and there's, like, this perfect view, and there's this flat spot. But there's a dude who lives on the just, like, a little bit up that hill, and he's harmless. He's really sweet. And once we showed up, in my memory, he was... He, like, we didn't see him. We saw his setup, and it looked like he had been there a long time. And then we hiked down, and we set out our tarps and our sleeping bags. We, like, cooked dinner and just passed out. Well, sort of passed out, but we, like, heard him singing. And he was singing this really, like, yippy, barking melody is the only way I know how to describe okay. it. And then, he th- and then I think he saw our fire, so he came down and was like, hey, um, I thought I'd introduce myself. I'm trying to sing myself across the ocean. And he pointed to this, mar- this like outcropping of rocks. And he's like, I've made it that far. And we're like, oh, okay, interesting. <laughs> and they kind of like alluded to like, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes he transforms. And he was very like nonchalant. Like, do you ever meet those people that are like, they tell you very wild information, yeah. so matter-of-factly that you can't, you just don't question. Like, right. I guess so. Right. Um, he was one of those. And we were like, okay, cool. 
quote. He's like, well, I'm going to be singing and I might sing for the night. And I'm sorry if it bothers you. And we're like, it's, it's cool, man. Have have at it. Sure. And so when we talk a little bit longer and then he goes back up and just starts singing, we fall asleep to him singing. And keep in mind, it's like a very like yippy yeah. thing that he's yeah. singing. And then I don't know. We fall asleep and I wake up and above me is a coyote yipping and I'm like like look floating like, in the air or stand no like, just like standing like maybe you know his head is like two feet from me okay and I can like see my 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 friends looking at me they're like don't move what's going and after like a while, this coyote is there a while, like yipping. And when it, it kind of hits, like you kind of realize, we're like, I think that's, at least in my brain, I was like, I think this is the same melody that that dude was was howling about or uh-huh. yipping about. <clears throat> and like a while goes by, like 15 minutes. And then the coyote just sits down, stops, and like lets out like a, <sighs> and then walks up towards the guy's camp. And in the morning, the guy comes down with coffee and is like, sorry if I woke you. I made you all some coffee. Um, I didn't make it as far as I wanted. And then just left his French press there and walked back up to the campsite. Dude, like and, you, <laughs> and, you, and you're okay with there being nothing? You think this is, you think this is. Like you, you believe in the reality of this, and I don't say that condescendingly. I say it celebratorily. Uh, yeah, I don't. and you're okay with that just being <laughs> just a thing that happens in life with no further magic beyond. You know, I think that I think I think it has to do. I think there's a magic that exists here that some people can tap into, and I think we all do in, in like a on like a spectrum. Maybe. Yeah. But like, or to an extent. And I think some people dive in and it can be like a really, like a real tangible thing for them. And some, I think that a lot of us get to experience this like magic and like little blips or like little moments here and there. I don't know why I'm okay with it all shutting off. I think it just goes back to it sounds nice. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> to just be nothing for a while. So, relive one memory. You get to choose one memory if the afterlife were were not just that memory, but allowed you the opportunity to relive in a particularly vivid way only one memory, what memory would you choose? You know, the thing I've thought about that keeps coming back is the one I'll go for. But it's my dog favorite and I would take these long backpacking trips where we'd start at my front door and I lived kind of the base of the mountain and we would just go sometimes for days. And that was like the most like 
I just remember in those moments, like feeling just so content and so at ease and like, this is exactly what I should be doing. And like there with my dog. So it's just like, I don't know, like a really pure, sweet thing. But I would relive those, that moment or those moments. This is in Missouri. Uh, this was mostly in, I mean, a little bit in Missouri, mostly Utah and Colorado. Okay. Yeah. And is there a particular favorite trail? Um, we would do, in Salt Lake, there's, well, you know what? Yeah, I'll do, I'll do this one. There's this one trail in Evergreen, Colorado. So there's this lake. I don't even know the name of the lake, but we'd all go swimming there all the time. We just I got to say, pool. there was some interview you did where you described your bandmates and, a, and, and someone asked you to talk about the bandmates and a huge, you were like, oh, this person plays this. Oh, that we go back here. But like for three of them, you mentioned how good of swimmers they were. <laughs> and that was very, it, 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 I, I, I had a lot of affection for that. But so, yes. So this lake where you would go swimming, this is you and favorite yeah. or you and other friends? Favorite. Okay. Yeah, my dog. And so there's a lake up here and um, up top. So it's an easy, easy hike to that lake. But then there's like a secret lake, like a mile or two down mm. this like weird, strange trail. And going down there with my dog was my favorite thing. Why? Because you would never run into anybody. Okay. And it just felt so like wild and free. And like when you get to the, the other lake, it still felt that way. But if you like curved a corner, you'd see a house. Mm. So you just like stay tucked back mm-hmm, and kind of mm-hmm. in this like fantasy world where you're like, wow, we've been gone so long. Right, right, right. Nobody knows where we are. That, that's like some of my favorite times of being alive. And so you all would set off, you said for days at a time sometimes? Sometimes for days. The, so when I was living in Salt Lake City, it's very easy to get to the mountains just from your door doorstep. Mm. And I was living in this neighborhood that like, if you walked an hour up, you would hit the, a trail that would take you all along this mountain range. And you could almost go forever. Wow. Um, so we would do that trail a lot and just like start at the house and have my backpack. and Yeah. What would you, how, would you know how long you would be out? No, I mean, I, cause I was touring a lot and. I was like living on my sister's couch mm-hmm. at that time. <laughs> and so I didn't have anything else to do. And I like, this was also the beginning of me having favorite as a dog. Okay. And I'm like, at the, at the very first time I was like, well, there's this dog at the house and we really like each other. I guess we'll just go and see what happens. How would you pack? And I would have all my backpacking gear because I, I grew up backpacking. And so I always have good stuff. And then, I got her a dog harness or like a like little dog saddlebags and she could carry her food okay. and bowls and okay. stuff. But how do you <laughs> yeah. know how much if you don't know where you're stopping, how do you know how much food to pack? Um that's kind of how we would determine. Okay. Okay. Like, okay, we have food for tomorrow. We should probably turn around. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what would you all do on those 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 hikes? Just walk around and look at stuff. 
there's a river, jump in. That's kind of it. <laughs> it was great. What's your coma? A moment of transformation where before you're one version of yourself and after you're another. I think my coma would be um, when my brother died. Okay. I think that changed a lot for me and changed like how I want to be in the world and how I was being and what was important to me. Set the scene because this is, I, I wasn't even aware of this until you mentioned that you'd like to see him in the afterlife. Yeah. So you talked about there's like for Quinn. Um, that song on Sundogs is for him. Okay. Um, and we planted him under a blue spruce tree. So it's called blue spruce. Okay. Um, uh, but he he struggled a lot, like um, in finances and in and out of jail and prison, and a lot with addiction and um, and was like in and out of my life a lot, like sometimes living with me, sometimes I didn't see him for a long time, sometimes he'd show up to family functions in a really rough way, and um, but he had always had like a really good heart. Um, Older just, or younger? older like four years older um he's why i play music like he played guitar and i wanted to be like him so i learned how to play guitar i would sneak into his room play his guitar and he'd come home and be moved and he'd beat me up you know (laughs) things like that um but there was a time yeah before he died he was he was doing really good he had like taken my old apartment and was working in like a call center and and like we family was all helping out a little bit and he was he was doing great and and sober and and like had a sweet girlfriend and a uh, and a dog that we still have in the family and um I was living in Point Arena, California. It's like a little just like this little tip, like the westernmost point in the U.S. Mm. And I was working, building a motel there. And I remember like the phone call. Like I, I like grabbed my phone and saw it was my mom. And I knew what it was about, like before I answered. And she called, or I picked up and she just said, like, your brother's dead. And then I said, okay. And then we hung up. And, and like in kind of a shock, I like walked to my boss and like went to my partner at the time and I was like, Hey, this happened. I think I'm going to go. Like, I don't think I'm going to work anymore. I think I'm going to go home. And, um, there's kind of like two kind of animal S stories that go with this, but like on, I had ridden my bike to work and it was like 14 miles up the coast. So I was riding my bike down to go home and I stopped and I was outcropping of rocks and I looked over and saw the most whales be, r- swim by that I'd ever seen. Wow. And something about that felt very like significant to me. Yeah. 
Like, oh, you're taking him. Um, and then I, you know, finished my ride home and figured out flights and went home and cleaned up his apartment and took care of a lot of, like, helped arrange the funeral and took care of a lot of the stuff. Um, but, like, my family was obviously, like, overwhelmed. Yeah. And with, um, but, like, yeah, having, like, my grandparents had died before that and a couple friends had, like, OD'd before that and stuff. But this was, like, the one, like, you're talking about your cat. We think about it all the time, you know? In the back of our mm. brains, we think about, like, someday... I'm going to get that phone call or someday mm. I'm going to find you here. Yeah. And and then it happened. And um yeah, and it like reprogrammed my brain to be like to think about what was really important to me. And that way that you know, you hear about like end of life stuff or when people are like on their deathbed and they're like I wish I had done this. Yeah. I wish I was like this more. But I got to do that like kind of like his last gift to me or something. It was like here's a chance to re rewrite your story and like be a better you and and like prioritize like your family and prioritize like people that love you and that you really love and like figure out like I'm still a mess but I like know the direction you know of like when was how, this how how old were you um this was 2016 this is a part of my brain that doesn't work all the time. Sure, sure. In years, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I was 26, 27. Okay. Yeah. No, no, that's not right. But I think it was 2016. Okay. 2017. Because you're like mid-30s yeah. now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but it's, it's late enough in your life where it's not childhood. It's maybe like the tail end of young adulthood. It sounds like maybe. Yeah. Like wh what direction sense. had you been going that this reset? <clears throat> I think, um, I don't think a bad direction I think, like, I was a good friend and, like, a good sweetheart. and But I also was, like, had given myself a lot of distance from my family. We had just started to, like, kind of, like, integrate more and, like, connect more. And, and like, like, I think for whatever reason, I needed a lot of space from them. And at that time. And then... um. Yeah, and I think it was, like, a lot more, I think I had my nose in the air a lot more about a lot of ideas and a lot of things. Like, oh, I know about art. <laughs> like what? Or, like, how so? <laughs> I don't know. Just, like, whatever I'm doing is very important mm, and very cool. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and you don't understand. And, um, yeah, I had a lot of big ideas about who I was or how important what the things I was doing were. And yeah, when that, when he passed kind of all of that shattered and like kind of freed me, like, like there's this idea that I love to think about the, like, it, like it, 
Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't. A lot of things don't matter as much as we think they do. Sure. Like. Like if I stopped playing guitar, like it would probably be just fine for most people. <laughs> I would say 99% of the world would be like, wouldn't notice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it would be a big, a big shift for some of my friends to be like, oh, Chas doesn't play music anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but like at the end of the day, like at the end of the day or whatever, like in time we'd all move on and it doesn't matter. So like what's, what would be important to you is something that you can't move on from. That's what I get, like kind of what I started thinking about. And that became like, like my deep friendships and like my family and how I wanted to take care of them and be involved with them. And that became the priority, which is like, I mean, it's silly as silly as it sounds. Also why I started like reframing how I toured where like Mary tours became more about like yeah. seeing places and seeing friends and having dinners and swimming and, and then like the shows were kind of like the propeller for it. For all that. Yeah. And, but it doesn't sound like because, because you lived away from Salt Lake City Mm -hmm. after that. Like, you, you, like, when you, when you say the way that you wanted to be with them and take care of them, that way didn't necessarily involve immediate geographic proximity it doesn't sound like no it it did it was after that that i started to make sure i visited home as a few times a year Mm -hmm. there was still like things i needed space from or like some work on myself i needed to do um but like from that moment on i came home like four times a year like once a season i would come back to salt lake city and it stayed that way for Years until I moved back. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the things that you still, you know, I mentioned earlier that the, you know, it it can be hard to hold on to these realizations sometimes. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that you actively like, do you do you still feel like the lessons you learned from his death are with you? Do you have to actively cultivate those realizations? Or have they d- took so deeply that they're just part of you now that you don't even think about them? Or, or yeah. Yeah, I think, I think for the most part, they stuck. But there's definitely times where where I'm not acting up to it or something. Um, there's definitely times I have to remember, I guess I'll say. Well, like I always make sure to like text my mom when she texts. Cause she worries if she doesn't hear from us that one of us is dead, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, but there'll be times where I'm like, I just don't want to, or I just don't want to deal with my family right now. Or I don't right. want to like do this thing. And then I'll, Something will happen if I get, it's, it'll take me two minutes. It's fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of like re re remembering that happens. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it also sounds like, 
there's I, the, the the sense I'm getting is that one of the big changes is a sense of responsibility toward these people. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Or am I yeah. framing that yeah. wrongly? No, definitely. Okay. Definitely right thing. Which then makes sense of your hell even more because their disappointment <laughs> reflects a failure of your responsibility to them. Mm. Way to bring it all back. <laughs> <laughs> that is the show that's Chaz. that's me go to patreon.com slash dave mar to become a this is your afterlife patron check out Chaz's music both as lake mary and with fubit sushi all those things are in the show notes and thank you for listening if you know someone who would love this is your afterlife share it with them if you don't even know if you suspect they would share it with them and and they'll let you know respect people's autonomy you know let them be their own person okay if you listen to the show on apple please uh review the podcast on there i love seeing those things i find it very encouraging and i will say that until next week i'd like you to remember that you are a mist i will also say what you're about to hear just gonna let it play out is the end of the second side of the most recent Lake Mary album called Slowgrass. And this song is So Long Favorite. And so just enjoy the last few minutes of So Long Favorite. Mm-hmm.